Hello, my name is Alicia Pate, and we're bringing you another edition of the Laser Lounge podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about scaling your business. There's a lot of discussion in the laser business, and when is the right time to go from hobby or small-time business to a much larger business where maybe you have employees or you have more equipment, or maybe you've even quit your day job to do this full-time. So we're going to have an expert with us tonight who's going to go over some of the decisions that he made some of the learnings he had, and where he is today. So I think you're going to enjoy it. So take a listen to the podcast. And if you're interested in seeing the live video that's been recorded, visit us on YouTube, or you can come to Facebook where we have an actual Facebook group, The Laser Lounge. Thanks, guys. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to another Wednesday night live stream. Appreciate y'all joining us in. We'll probably have more people chime in as we get kicked off here. So I wanted to do uh, an objective for what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about scaling your business. And we have a special guest here who I'll introduce in a minute. But that's going to be the topic for tonight. And so we're hoping to have a healthy discussion. So please join us live on Facebook or YouTube. May is going to be fielding some of the questions as they come in. And we're going to be happy to answer, to get Lenny to answer some of those. So first, let me talk about the Laser Lounge. Most of you are in the group, but for those of you that might be chiming in, either on podcasts where this will be streamed later, or on YouTube, we're all about sharing laser knowledge, CO2 or fiber, and also, you know, how to grow your business, how to purchase things. It's not just laser technical specific. We're talking about the whole realm of the things that are involved in either running a hobby business or scaling to be a full-blown business. So come join us in the Laser Lounge. If you're a Facebook user, you can join a lot of people in your community and learn a lot of things. So let's thank our our sponsors for tonight. So our special guest sponsors is Thunder Laser USA. Wanted to uh, give them a nice shout out. You can visit their website, thunderlaserusa.com, if you're interested in seeing any of the items that they may have. All right, so I want to introduce Lenny Harris. So, uh, Lenny, please, I'm so excited to have you on tonight. You know, I've been in the space for three years, and I've been kind of watching you from the side, not like a creep reveal, but like from a, hey, you're a successful maker that I've seen grow. And there's lots of things that I don't see, but from what I do see, I'm seeing you as being a, a great businessman and what you're doing and some of the things you're doing. So please introduce yourself. And then uh, we'll get kicked off to tonight. Okay. Uh, I'm Lenny Harris. I uh, formerly own Vital Signs Northwest as of Friday. I fly out tomorrow night on like a red eye. I actually sold that part of our company. So um, we will be rebranding or we have rebranded under Altered Industries for online purposes and um, just the direction of the company that we decided to go. Um, So that's kind of where we're at currently perfect awesome and you just made a move from is it the seattle area i'm thinking Uh, southern oregon okay awesome Awesome. here to to lovely texas all right and we're going to get into that some of those decision making things so basically um the topic that may and i were kind of kicking around for tonight and i think it's a real important one that we hear a lot of people talk about is When is the right time to scale your business? And I know there's a lot of decisions that need to be made there. And it's not just getting another laser, right? A lot of people think, oh, I have one or two more lasers. That's not it. If you're running your your business as a business, it means a lot of things, right? And and I'm sure there's data that's back behind it. So that's really, you know, kind of the lead in here. I just wanted to hear your experience, some of your decision making and what you did when you decided to go from that first laser and if you decide to tell us how you started, that's great. Yeah. Two mini lasers now. So go. I'll turn it over to so, you. Um, we started engraving 11 years ago. We started out rock engraving. I actually worked at a rock quarry and saw this guy doing some rock engraving and thought it was intri- in, intriguing. And uh, I was actually doing a lot of the sales for the rock yard. And I saw the invoice this guy had done for a rock job and thought, that's insane amount of money. And uh, so I got interested in it and um, got got the equipment, started engraving. Uh, then I found out really, really quickly that rocks are very hard to work with. 
uh, a lot of people don't have the money to sustain that in type of engraving year round. Um, there's a lot of people that do it on Etsy on small pet headstones and stuff like that. Yeah. It wasn't really the direction I wanted to go. Um, so we started getting into glassware and I didn't even know what a laser was 11 years ago. I was cutting all of this on a cricket and putting it on the glass <laughs> and blasting it. I look back now and think how insane that is, but we did it. We made it work. Um, we had a lot of long, long, hard nights weeding all this material. If you put it on yeah. the glass crooked, you had to tear it off and start over. Um, we did this for about three and a half years that way. And we started getting into apparel because the cricket could cut apparel. By this time, we'd actually upgraded to a, a legitimate cutter. We went with Sumas. I think we had like three or four because they were cutting and we, you know, we were weeding. Yeah. You needed multiple of everything. And, um, so I go to this trade show down in California for apparel and they have an epilogue laser and it's doing wood and all this cool stuff. And I've never seen anything like this. I, I was like a kid in a candy store seven years ago when I saw this thing. So I asked the, the salesman, what's this going to run? You know, yada, yada. And uh, I got the price and I was like, one day I'll, I'll be able to afford that. Not today. Yeah, your mind probably blown right yeah it was blown i was like who has that kind of money to buy one of these and uh fast forward like five months later i had i kind of like set my goal that i was going to own one of those five yeah. months later i got called to a job out of seattle for a brick engraving fundraiser for a private uh catholic school and this job was massive i was already booked up for the year and i told the school no and they were like, nobody else does what you do. We already have donors. We need you here. What's it going to cost? And I threw out some god awful number. And the guy's like, the money will be in your account tomorrow. And I'm like, what? And so it was kind of the first step where I yeah. got to the point where people started throwing large numbers um, at, at us. And that project went off without a hitch. It was an awesome project to be part of. Um, it, it was just really cool got my in the door with the laser because i use that money yeah. i told my wife i said we're going on vacation or we can buy this laser which choice is yours and she said <laughs> no laser and uh, she said that'll make us money the vacation we can take it anytime so we ordered uh we called epilogue we ordered our first laser i had no idea you had to wait like four or five months for these things so they took the money out of my account and then i waited for five months and uh the picture when this laser arrives and gets pulled off the truck is like everybody else has seen. It looks yeah. like a newborn, you yeah. know, they're like so Correct. excited for this thing. And uh, so it showed up. I had no idea what to really do with it. Uh, I'd been sandblasting 50, 50 bottles at the time. Yeah. And so we, that's where we started. We started uh, engraving on the 50 fifties and I just hit the street kind of and yeah. started them to businesses and showing people and 50 50 was really hot at the time you know hydro flask 50 50 are basically the same thing um and they're both oregon based companies so it was really easy for us to get accounts and get them from there um and so we really started with with the bottles is so you know that's interesting a couple things you said there was you set a goal and you said this is my target when i hit here i'm going to do this right which yeah. i think is very key into people that are running this as a business and, and setting those targets, right? Because then you have yeah. something to work for. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting to me as you're pointing out your story is that it was 10 to 11 years ago. So it yeah. makes me wonder what the laser industry was back then, right? I mean, now it's like almost everyone that, you know, and your mother has one, right? Everybody has one. Like, I think when COVID happened, you know, yeah. what were you going to do? You yeah. were at home, you were either laid off, yeah. Um, you know, uh, you, you, even if you were working remote, you could still be sticking something over here in the laser and running yeah. and, and getting paid. A side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. And have a side hustle. And, uh, a lot of people thought, is that, is that a threat, you know, to have all these people, but there's a, an analogy that my mentor said, and he said, go down the bread aisle, you know, and you'll see all these different types of bread and you'll see a dollar 50 bread and you'll see $6 bread, you know, bread. And there's technically, I mean, other than 
some key ingredients, right? They're the same thing. It's bread. You're going to put peanut butter and jelly on it or mayonnaise into meat. It's going to make a sandwich. So it's really those little key ingredients on how yeah. we sell ourselves is the yeah. same same thing. So I love analogies, and that's a great analogy you used there. So when y'all were doing that early on, was it just you and your spouse, or was it did you in the side hustle, or was it like this is what it I'm was, doing? Uh, okay, so it was a side hustle at first. I had a full time job, and um, we kind of the 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 apparel and the glassware really really took off. We started on Etsy like 10 years ago. And for anybody that doesn't know, I'm the guy that got sued from Hello Kitty. And uh, so that was the scariest time in my life. We'd really made a good name for ourselves on Etsy and started to see numbers climb. And then we got the cease and assist and we were like, oh, well, we knew we shouldn't do it. But you see everybody else doing it. Yeah. yeah. So my hand was slapped. I went back to work and started really... Um, building our brand and our designs to stay away from anything that was trademarked. And like 30 days later, I got this huge packet in the mail with a lawsuit. Oh, and I had to get an attorney. And the crazy thing was, is by the time it was all done, they audited our store. Etsy closed us. We were not able to reopen. It was six beer glasses and the damages was like, $2,700. It wasn't much, yeah. but the attorney's fees, their attorneys and their investigators to go, you have to pay for all that if you lose. So all their research of how much you sold. So all that research to find six beer glasses was 27,000 some dollars. So the total we Jeez. owed was like 30,000. Wow. So I just quit my job eight months earlier. So, okay, so that really kind of was like, okay, this is going to set us back and we got to figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you got to figure it out. And I crawled back to my old job and said, hey, I could be of service. <laughs> you know, it was the only thing I knew how to do was to go back to work. And uh, so we had to start over really from the beginning. Yeah. We restarted a new Etsy store under a whole new name. Um that took a year, probably a year or more to build back up. Um, I hustled day and night after hours to get uh, stuff ready for trade shows. Like a lot of the makers in here, I see her getting all this stuff ready and going to these shows. And I always look at them and go, man, I, all right. Cause that's what it takes. It's that, it's that grind. Right. Um, yeah. and, and May and I talk about this often now is that we're still doing some trade shows, but we're getting out of that. Yep. you know, our main thing, because we don't need to anymore, but that's the part that teaches you, yeah, you know, absolutely. is your product good and yeah. it tests your time. Right. So, and how to talk to the customers, right. I mean, correct. you one-on-one -on -one with them yeah. and stuff like that. Well, I get to involve in the community too. They need yeah. to match, you know, what you're doing in the community and have that face recognition and then the brand. Uh, yep. will follow. Absolutely. But you never know who's going to be at those trade shows either. You know, correct. It could be, exactly. you know, your next big break. Okay. Exactly. So you're bouncing back from some yep. learnings of doing some trademark violations. You're yep. back to work and then you're doing this as a side hustle again. What elevated you to kind of leave your day job again to say, okay, I'm ready to step in this. Uh, the orders kept coming in. Um, I kept going out and hustling. And while I was working my day job, I was selling those guys at my day job. I, they'd come yeah. in with a crappy shirt and I wouldn't never tell them it was crappy. I was like, Hey, are you happy with the guy that did this? No. And I'd ask why not? Well, he said it'd take two weeks, but it took two months, you know, this and that the image wasn't right. And so a week later I knew I hadn't in the guy wasn't happy with it. So I'd make a sample. And when he'd come to work, I said, Hey, I made this for you. You know, let me know what you think. And he, you know, within a week, he's like, I love it. Can I get 12? And we did a lot of onesie twosies for uh, companies for a long time. And uh, it always ended up being that that person knew this other person and that guy needed 24 or 36. And, and so it just built up. So the uh, multiples, the multiples, the multiples of scale. Yeah. 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 And so we built on that. Uh, meantime, we were keeping Etsy rolling this whole time. Um, 
And that was kind of our play money because it wasn't super. It was like when we did the numbers five years ago before I bought my first building, we thought we were going to go online only. Yeah. And we looked at the numbers and said, no way. We, we really need these local clients. It was probably four for one, which we did, yeah. it didn't seem right, but the orders from businesses were so big, you know, a $2,500 order or $3,000 order. You don't have to do as many as Etsy at 30, 25 or $30. And so we continued, we, we bought our first building five years ago in Southern Oregon. We, uh, we were right outside of Portland. Portland at that time was really starting to have some major shifts in downtown there was a lot of violence that was spilling over and I had a full female staff other than me and it was just not safe. And yeah. so we decided to move about two and a half hours South and my staff packed up and they moved with us and uh, we reevaluated and said, you know, can we go online only? And the answer was really no. So we continued building uh, our online during this whole time but really trying to get away from business to business. Sure. Um, really, it just wasn't for us. It never became really streamlined. There wasn't uh, very good um, software to do yeah. all your billing, your mockups back and forth. There was a lot of visual for those clients. And it seemed like they also had a lot of turnover. So by the time you got the mockups and everything approved, now their HR person or whoever was to approve it didn't work there anymore. You yeah. had to start that all over. So, um, you know, you mentioned something, you mentioned something that, that made me think of a good question to ask you. You yeah. talked about now you're at the phase where you've got some employees. Yeah. I think a lot of us that are on the edge of not just a hustler, but this is a business. We're pushing ourselves where we're doing it all on our own. What yeah. made you decide to go hire some employees and, and what was that thinking and logic like? I couldn't do it all. Yeah. Um, I, I really couldn't. So in order to do the employee thing, I had to take a pay cut. And in order to take a pay cut, I had to lower my expenses. So in order to low, lower my expenses, I ate like crap. Um, we ate off the dollar menu and we ate off a half, happy hour menus at like 10, 11 o'clock at night, um, my wife and I were both just huge five years ago. Um, but it was the, the only sacrifice that we could make to afford somebody else. And that was the best decision I ever made because I hired a graphic designer fresh out of high school that could do stuff that I still can't do. What she could do then, I still couldn't do today. And yeah. So it's just hiring people that are smarter than you or better in this arena than you. Can. Yeah. We yeah. can't be great at everything. Sure. You know? um, That's a good point that you make because I listen to a lot of podcasts and one of them was, you know, around the scaling issue. And it's like, it, it will give you time to go focus on what you're good at. Yes. And then that person you hire is going to specifically work on, like you said, the graphics design space yep. or just running the laser. Yep. So you think, oh, I'm adding this person. It's more, you know, overhead, et cetera. But really you're getting more bandwidth to go do the things that you excel at. Yes. And it actually helped me scale up because she was so good at it that our designs got better. Our uh, product um, mock-ups got better. So we were closing more deals because of it. A lot of people see that, that risk of hiring somebody but really it's an investment and yeah. it paid off. She's still with me today, almost eight years later. Wow. How did you go find her? I mean, was it like, uh, it mean? was weird. That's one of the ones like, I think fate had its way of working in this one. I worked for yeah. her dad when I was 18 and she was a graphic designer and he did construction. Well, she didn't design like CAD or anything. She actually yeah. drew. So uh, he just brought her in and said, I owe you. You did all this work for me. My daughter does this. I think she'll, I think she'll be able to do what you need. And she's been with me ever since. That's so, so awesome. I think, I have a go ahead, Lenny. Um, when you hire somebody like that, that, you know, turns out designs for you to make yeah. you look good and to make your company, you know, look professional. Do you yeah. have them sign some sort of waiver, a contract and, you know, non-compete, something like that? 
if I hire out a house, yes. It, but she was a full-time employee. I didn't, um, I really didn't think I needed to because those are all, all those designs are saved on our server. They're all logged on her time. But yes, if it is designed out of house, um, we try to get those designers to sign something because the last thing you want to do is create this design, right? And two days later, it's on Shutterstock. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or Zazzle um, or whatever. Or Zazzle or anything else. Yeah, you do want to protect yourself. And um, that's so that's a great point, May. Yeah. So that's good. Okay. So now you're starting to bring employees on. And is it like, you know, just overwhelming? Is it starting to run smooth? So what are your learnings in some of the things? I learned that uh, you now have another personality in the mix. So that adds a different layer. Um, How you ran things before to when you put an employee in, there's safety issues, there's lunches, there's breaks. That all adds up. And I didn't think about that at the time. I really didn't. I was a novice like anybody else. Um, So there was a lot of things I learned along the way. that an employee is not as efficient as you, <laughs> you know, as yeah. much as you want them to be, they're not as if efficient as you. Um, they need a lo- lot more guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just hire somebody and set them at a desk and say, here, do this. They need yeah. to know what they're, they're doing. So there's yeah. a lot of training issues, um, things like that, that I didn't realize back then. And so um, that was a lesson that I learned along the way. And I just explained that to the first employee. Yeah. And she was so young, she really didn't know. Yeah. The, the difference. I have a question for you, Lenny. Since yeah. you have, how many lasers do you have now? Seven. Seven. So wow. obviously you and your wife are very capable of running them. What about your other employees? Let's say you're sick or your wife got sick. Yep. Anybody that can like run the laser if you're, if you're not around? I hate running lasers now. I've been doing it for two, two years solid. Um, Right about COVID time, I had to take back over. So that was, that was the thing, right? COVID happens. You got a full staff. We had 13 employees at that time. Wow. So you make this difficult call. I don't think I've ever cried in front of my employees and I have never since, but letting everybody go that day was the hardest day when the government said, Hey, if you're not essential, send everybody home. And so we did um, let everybody go. I I instructed everybody to go home and file unemployment. Right. Literally, as you leave this building, file unemployment. And all of my employees did except for two. They didn't think it was that big of a deal. And it took them almost seven months to get paid because uh, Oregon and every other state, everybody went into full lockdown and uh, the unemployment servers were getting overwhelmed, um, all that. So May, to answer your question, back then I had two people on lasers all the time and they they ran everything. Um, When we started rehiring, um, I was unable to get my laser people back, unfortunately. Uh, I've only ever been able to keep five people after COVID. Wow. So it's been um, it's been very difficult to hire um, people. I mean, even starting people at 18 to 22 bucks an hour, um, Oregon. I I joined um, I joined every club. I joined government. uh, I was on city council trying to figure out what was going on to where where everybody went, why you couldn't find people to work. And um, I still don't have a true answer um, for that. Um, so I've been running the lasers the last two years. And if I am sick, my graphic designer does know how to run. Oh, that's good. So, so let me ask you a question. Let's say we got someone out in the audience or someone is going to listen later and they're like, I'm ready to scale. My data shows me that I can. Did you find people that already had laser experience or you said, I'm going to teach you how to do it. I trained them. Um, I didn't have a ton of laser experience when I'd hired my first employee in August. My laser didn't get there until October. So she started with designing and weeding because I needed people to weed. Yeah. Um, And at that time, I think I was selling a beer glass for like 12 bucks. 
So there wasn't a lot of margin back then, but the customer back then, I believe we were set up to where they paid shipping. Now we're at like 30 or $34 for a beer glass and they pay the shipping. So um, we've been able to scale that price and also yeah. bring down the speed in which it's produced. So, you know, that's a great point that you make about scaling your price. I think a lot of makers make a mistake of elevating the price to respect the quality that they're putting out. We think that, oh, we got to lower our price to compete. Yep. And and I've seen that every time I've raised my price, and I think May has seen this too, that you actually get more business because yep. it's a perceived quality, right? Yep. So exactly. share a little insight yep. to that. The same, same thing. I've seen you guys talk about that before on raising prices and uh, I try not to do it like willy nilly, um, but yeah. COVID really, uh, we were getting price increases from JDS uh, like 10 and 15%. Uh, and it seemed like every, every month. And so we didn't really have an option, but to raise the prices. We were, had uh, only five employees doing the work of 13 employees. So yeah. they all got raises. You had to retain your people. Um, and, the, the rest was just figuring out what will the market sustain? Yeah, so yeah. How, how to get the most, the fastest. I don't want to say doing the least. We had to figure out a way to do it faster, giving the same quality. And so we worked with a manufacturer uh, and had gift boxes made for our beer glasses. So when they go out, they're literally gift ready. They have a coaster in there that matches the theme. So if it's a fishing beer glass, it has a fishing coaster and then a gift box on uh, that packages all, all up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then that gets dropped right into either a priority, you know, if it's a ships or a UPS type box to get the best price. And so a lot of it is figuring out those tricks that will lower your costs. You don't ever want to lower your quality. If you're, if you're yeah. looking to lower your quality, you're not going to get that top notch price. You're literally going to be competing with everybody else that's selling a beer glass at 12, 14 bucks. And I've seen people doing that with free shipping. And I'm like, I don't know how they're doing that. I don't know how they're doing it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I don't know. I really don't. I, I've seen it and um, I scratch my head. I have yeah. one question for you yeah. talking about pricing and supplies. So since we're in this kind of, it feels like a drought almost, right? And it is in Texas. <laughs> I think you guys are getting, getting storm, aren't you? Yeah, today. Uh, yeah. Forecast. Yeah. So anyway, since supply chain is crazy, prices are going up. Things are just so hard to find. How are you surviving this? Like, do you have any advice for the makers that are trying to stockpile and have something in time for the fourth quarter? Yeah, you have to get creative. Uh, look at your numbers. Look at what you had sold. Look at how much you have available on a credit card. And you just got to buy it because eventually the supplier is going to run out. And fourth quarter is like 19 weeks away, people. It's coming yeah. fast. Oh, um, I know. So you got to play that game of if you're the one that holds it, you can sell it. I, I mean, that's just what it is. That's what it was last Christmas. Um, I was saying before we started this, uh, my wife gave me the entire uh, line of credit, 50,000, and I spent 48.5 of it. And it's paid off. Uh, well, it was until we moved to Texas and had to rebuy a bunch of equipment. But uh, in, in that two months of the, November, December, we had it paid down. And I think into early January, it was completely paid off. Um, and that's a lot. I, I know that's a lot of money, but 5,000, 6,000, whatever you're yeah. dealing with and whatever you can afford um, is how you win these games. They're not, they're, they're only risks if you're gambling. If your strategy yeah. and you're writing down your goals and what you want to sell, you're really investing. And the nice thing is a lot of our makers out here, we hold it blank. We, we're not imprinting it. Unless you're imprinting designs that you're trying to sell, um, that's the only time that you've really actually spent that product. If it's blank on the shelf, it, it can go to you know uh, a business at, at yeah. $14 to $16 a tumbler. 
or, you know, a one-off like what we do on Etsy and make, you know, double that. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's a great point. You mentioned something and it made me think about a question for you. How much have you had to learn about the business to scale? I mean, is this something that was natural to you that you, you know, knew or you're learning along the way? And what advice do you have for somebody who maybe they're not great in business? They've got, they're running maybe Quicken books or, you know, an Excel. Like what is your advice to somebody wanting to scale? I will, the best advice I can give is I did a lot of things wrong. And so I learned from my mistakes and a lot of people reach out and they want to know how to avoid this pitfall or that pitfall. And the way to avoid it is to fall in it. So you don't do it again, but you can learn from um, obviously other people. I, I call them other people's experiences. OPE. Um, I, even at 11 years, I'm still doing things wrong. Um, I recently, probably in the last year, have started really reading, dissecting um, other companies that have scaled larger. Um, I am having a hard time myself finding mentors in the laser game that are larger. So yeah. that that becomes kind of difficult for me. So uh, I befriended uh, a guy that owns pizza restaurants, and he's uh, opened three restaurants this year. I've went to two pizza conventions with him because in the grand scheme of things, business is business when you're trying yeah. to sell people. Yeah. So uh, whether it's a pizza, a hamburger, there's a recipe, right? So yeah. what recipe can we write for laser engraving? So that's really where I've been focusing. Um, it wasn't natural for me. Sales was natural. I could sell an Eskimo ice. Um, that's not a problem. And I see a lot of people on the forums struggling with sales they can yeah. run their lasers they're, they're there's people on here that are 10 times better with their lasers than i am mine um that is no no joke some of the people are making items that are far outside of my concept of how they even do that but you got to learn how to sell it who's your market yeah. for that and then target the crap out of it yeah, um, yeah. i mean they're Look at look at Burning Man and what it's become and what people pay for the tickets to go to that experience, you know. So you have to find people in your niche, and then just sell them. And that's the yeah. the key that I found. Um, as far as the business end, I'm still learning um, daily. I read four books a week. Um, I realize the mistakes I've made. I just started journaling. Um, and it, these are things that if you would have asked me two years ago, I wasn't that guy. Um, but I had to become somebody different to get better and to scale even bigger. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I like the niche part. And I've always said that you need to find the niche, the market that, you know, yep. super important. So let me ask you a question. How do you measure yourself? Like, how do you and your, your wife look at your business and say, okay, this quarter we hit our targets, we're successful. Like what is your, what are your key performing indicators that you guys use? Um, all, all honesty, uh, I'll get emotional. Um, we set a goal 10 years ago to be a million dollar company. And last year we did it and there was no fireworks. There was no pizzazz. There was, there was, it almost left us empty because we realized we didn't dream big enough. So we've gone back to the drawing board and we're keeping track of the daily totals. So we have a better grasp on what is going right, what is going wrong, what items are trending. Um, and so it's a lot of work. I mean, I, I feel really, I have no kids. So I'll be honest on that. My wife's still working right next to me here. It's uh, 8.30 here in Texas and she's still going at it um our the rest of our staff still back in oregon they don't move for the next three weeks so we're on this end really kind of on our own getting stuff done but without the kids um I, we're able to focus from you know seven eight in the morning till midnight if we have to and when you have a family you that's that's the most important thing you have to put those kids first may you had to lay your kids down before we started this you know that's and right. so I, I realized that I have an advantage on that part of not having to put kids in front of myself. Yeah. So I get the, 
that advantage of a few more hours that I can put my head into the books, put my head into these things to really focus. Um, so I, I think that is a slight advantage. But then, man, these mother hustlers come out and they'll put the kids <laughs> to bed and they'll pick up the book or they'll pick up this work. They'll go to the laser. So, you know, it, it comes down to grit and hard work. And, you know, I see these people say, I can't find any work. I can't find any work. And I'm like, are you under your bed? Like, do you yeah. go out? Are you making contacts? Because it is a hustle. I mean, yeah. all things right. come from hustle. You are so right. <laughs> so now you're absolutely right. Um, has this upped your game with everybody being in this industry now? That's kind of an interesting thing, right? I would see you as like, okay, this big company who's just like, you know, badass and they're cruising along. And now you got all these hustlers, right? And, yeah. you know, they're like knocking on the door like, hey, I can beat Lenny. You know, I got your cups, you know. No. Does it scare <laughs> you or does it keep you like no, you know, no. stronger and, it, you know, your focus? It fuels my fire. It's competition, right? Yeah. So yeah, it drives yeah. me. COVID, COVID scared the hell out of me. Um, the first week we were home watching the news like everybody. And then it just started to get to get old, you know, okay, we're all going to die. Well, we were going to die before COVID. So I, we put our thinking cap back on. My wife, uh, we had this hoodie that holds a beer in it. And it said hangover hoodie. She deleted hangover and put quarantine hoodie. We listed it on Amazon. And that weekend we sold $30,000 in quarantine hoodies so our staff was only laid off for five weeks before we started picking up the phone going hey we need you to come back to work what do you mean covid yeah. and i was like no we got we got hoodies to print and so five of them came back and um we started printing we doubled down on online like massive um they were printing during the day and my wife and i were at home just do -do 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 on the keyboards for etsy Amazon searching keywords for quarantine stuff, COVID. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. you just found that niche for that time. And we raked in all that money. Uh, we ended up buying a DTG uh, about a year and a half ago. That was uh, my screen printer's Christmas present. So he didn't have to push squeegee anymore. He was getting up there a little bit. He'd, uh, he he wasn't that old, but he'd had a hard life. So it was taking a toll yeah. on him. And so uh, he got this new fancy uh, direct-to-garment printer, which made his job a little bit easier, but it also streamlined the process. We didn't have to burn all these screens yeah. for, for printing. And so a lot of it comes down to hustling, streamlining, reevaluating, writing it down. Uh, and in writing it down, I've learned it becomes the recipe, right? Like how, do, how does McDonald's make the same cheeseburger? The cheeseburger sucks, but you know yeah. what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. It's consistent. And yeah. so, the process. Uh, yep. The process. Yeah. And so we found personally that the processes business to business were not as good for us, whether we didn't do it right, whether we didn't focus on it right, but it, it just didn't work for us as well as Etsy and Amazon did. And now we actually have a custom website that's been in the works for about eight months and uh should be live i'm hoping in the next five weeks and that should up our game and recoup some of the profits back that we've been paying etsy and amazon for the last bajillion years so you made a couple of good key points there one of them was the just listening to you being able to pivot to your environment and i think may kind of was talking about that a little bit with you know how are you pivoting with the supply chain issues so that resonated with me. And then the other thing that um, that I picked up on is the diversity of equipment. What equipment do you have right now in your shop? And t talk to us about having that diversity and what does it do for your business? Well, the, the move to Texas we knew was going to be rough. So we kind of had to double up on equipment. So we had to leave stuff behind on that end so they could run while we were on the road bringing everything. So it didn't matter if I trucked it, hauled it myself. I mean, we knew there was going to be three to four days on the road where we didn't have equipment. So I left three lasers behind in Oregon. I left a direct -to garment printer. I left a sublimation printer and a heat press and most of the shipping stuff. I brought four lasers. I ordered a, uh, you can see here, the new Epson 
uh, sublimation printer on this and I moved into a building with uh, some friends and they were supposed to take over our direct garment printing and uh, they used a different process than we did and uh, that process wasn't working on some of our apparel and um, so that kind of got heated because on Etsy and Amazon anybody that sells on their nose you have to hit those matrix you have to get those orders out and our orders weren't going out on time and so I ordered another direct garment printer two days later and uh, got a new space about 30 minutes away and we had to end up after I moved to Texas two weeks later we packed up and moved again wow so um that's why being I was flexible, right? <laughs> be, be flexible. And I, I wasn't upset. There was some tension. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's our business and our products. So, you know, when you sub stuff out, man, if you can't blame them, if, mm -hmm. if they can't do it, it still falls on you. Exactly. I mean, yeah. It's it, your name, your company. It's your name. name. Yeah. So you got to take accountability um, for that stuff. And so we did, we ended up ordering uh, another direct garment printer, um, the sublimation printer. We got our conveyor dryer, an air fusion press, our four lasers here. And I only brought two of our eight embroidery machines with us here. So, um, very yeah. nice. Sounds diverse. like you got a, yeah, That's you do have out. a diversity. Yeah. So, but, uh, we found ways to use all of that equipment together. So we laser cut, uh, fabric, then we sublimate it and stitch it to the hat. So there's a lot of, ah. you know, things like that. Uh, one of my favorite things is laser cut lettering uh, out of felt that we applique to hoodies. It gives it that really cool college varsity look. When you start washing it, the letters start to kind of wear and gives it unique looks. Uh, it's again, it's that niche of using that laser that most other shops don't don't have. So, yeah, I was just going to ask, that's great. What is kind of your key product lines? Are you hats, shirts, what? So uh, Altered Industries has really focused on the uh, personalized um, items. So we're doing wine glasses, champagne flutes, uh, tumblers, uh, tons of water bottles and backpacks for back to school. So those are all get personalized. Um, let me grab one here. So Coach Moore on a backpack. So they have the option of doing a backpack and a water bottle to make it a combo. It costs like a dollar more to ship the water mm -hmm. bottle in there, but you get another 45 or $48 for the combo. Yeah. It costs you less to ship two items. So it was a way to get higher margins and lower that shipping cost um shipping man um you guys here in texas got it easy you're centrally located two states on either way in oregon yeah. man me to ship to new york uh a backpack was i think 18 bucks wow. and it's come down to 11 dollars in texas if i go to either yeah. coast so uh that was a strategic part of our move our shipping bill in 2021 was two hundred and fifty thousand. wow oh. yeah Man. So um, the our shipping provider did a Excel spreadsheet and they put in our zone and then they put in the Texas zone or any anything centrally located. We could have went to Oklahoma, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, anything. But we, we really love Texas. We'd fallen in love with it. Um, and the bill instantly with their algorithm took 80,000 off our total. Wow. Jeez. That's, yeah, that, that, that's just that's just that's shipping. Yeah, savings you can be using to buy materials, equipment. Materials, exactly. So the investment we made into buying the new DTG and moving into this new facility, um, I figure is one year. And it'll all be paid yeah. off just, just by my shipping cost savings. And that's that's great, you know, planning and thinking and strategic decisions but on as a business model, right? You got to do what's best for your business. Yeah. So yeah. I've got one more question and then I'll uh, turn it over to May for her final question. Okay. So scaling really isn't for everybody. Like no. I, I, for me, I love my shop. I don't see myself kind of taking myself to where I'm having employees just because it isn't for me. But what questions would you say that a, a maker would should ask themselves if they're ready to scale? Right. Because it's you should be doing some internal thinking. Is your data there? You know, this, are, is your demand there for it? But 
from your experience, if, if someone came up to you and said, hey, Lenny, I'm thinking about scaling and getting employees and buying more lasers, what would you tell them to think about before they did it? Only from my experience, I can say you got to write down what it is you want because otherwise there's no roadmap to get there. So if you don't know what it is you want, you're never going to know whether you should have scaled, shouldn't have scaled. Um, a lot of people I know make 50, 60,000 and they're the happiest people I've ever met. It, it, it's not always money that makes people happy. So it's really asking yourself the question of whether you want the scale. Do you want that headache of having an employee? I've, I've found out through eight years of having employees, my best employees, 70% is efficient as me. So I always have to take that into consideration when I hire somebody that it's going to take one and a half hires to do what I can do. So take yeah. that for what it's worth. And whether you have the money to pay that coming in off your products, can you automate in some other way that you don't need an employee? Can you mm -hmm. hire a temporary person or sub that out? Um, but it has to obviously be quality and something that you want to put your name on. So find good people. That's really what it comes down to hiring or not hiring, find good people. That's yeah. really hard to find good. people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is. I have yep. a question for you. I know you're a great problem solver just because of all the stories that you've told us, um, you know, from losing some employees, reteaching, retraining, moving again after moving. Yeah. And so I have a question. This is about, you know, your mental state in the business game. I know we all go through it. Do you have some sort of advice to kind of like combat those emotions and feelings that, you know, are there? I can say I have ran around like a chicken with my head cut off for 10 years. And in the last year, reading books and listening to the stories of these other big, huge companies that you have to give yourself some grace. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in 10 years. It really doesn't happen on your time at all. You can force stuff, but then you're forcing it and it's not, it's not, it's not going to go good. Um, so have some grace with yourself. Um, remember to live a life which yeah. is something that I regret a little bit that I've, I've gave up a lot. I've sacrificed um, our, our anniversary. We missed my 40th birthday. We were, was uh, Monday. We were here until eight o'clock. And by the time we left, there was no place to even go have a nice dinner. Um, so you have to be uh, realize what you want to sacrifice and if that's worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's okay to second guess that. I've said several yeah. times, you know, F it. I'm going to go, you know, do this other thing. Um, a year a year ago, before we started really looking hard at Texas, Intel called out of the blue. I never had a phone conversation with Intel, but they uh, a buddy worked there and they knew what I was capable of in the electronics world. And they offered me 100K to move from Southern Oregon back up to Portland. Just they're hundred K we'll pay all your moving expenses. And that's, you know, that's tempting. Um, I'm not going to yeah. lie. Health insurance, a six figure income. And I just have to work 40 hours, but may you'd asked earlier on uh, one of the pre questions, the sacrifices that I've given up, I've also earned back in that I can clock out on the days where I really need to. We took yeah. our dog to the groomer today, hung out for a few hours, did some other errands um, so that we could stay late at the shop tonight and uh, do this and, and talk with everybody. So it gives you a flexibility um, that I wouldn't have otherwise, especially those moms that have kids, things like that, that it's hard to get a job that's that flexible. Yeah, a lot so, of give and take. And yeah. Listen, man, um, I respect everything you've done, and I've watched you from afar and just said, hey, that guy's got it going on. You can tell when someone's, you know, a gamer and they know what they're doing and they're making right decisions. 
and I don't know you that well, but I know enough to see that that you're on the move up and, and you're doing things. So I really want to uh, thank you for coming on tonight. How can people reach you if somebody wants to follow you or see what you're doing? Is there you know any um, shout out to your media? Yeah, so it'll still be under Vital Signs Northwest on Instagram and Facebook. I think we're going to just switch that all over to Altered Industries because the guys that are buying that part of the company are uh, rebranding on their own under their own name. They really want to basically take those customers and build a platform from what we had started. Um, it was actually a previous employee that I sold it to. So I'm really excited about that. That's good. We had, we had three offers and uh, I couldn't be more proud of who it's actually going to. And so um, that's really cool. But Vital Signs Northwest, or you can send me a friend request uh, on Facebook, Lenny Harris. And um, yeah. Awesome. I do love, I'm your Facebook friend and I love all the motivational stuff. I think it's great to keep a healthy mind and it keeps you focused yeah. and re reminds you on, you know, the bigger picture. So yeah. listen, man, I appreciate you being on tonight and uh, we thank you. And uh, this is a great guide to, to follow in the community and learn about, a lot about. So May, any final closing comments? Um, I'm just really, really excited to meet you finally. I know I've seen you from afar, you know, stalked a little bit. So I'm like, <laughs> I know what you do. <laughs> Quiet stalker. No, I, I really admire what you've done. Uh, you've done a great job. Uh, I admire your ability to solve problems and rise from it and not feel threatened by what's around you. But it just, you know, kind of fuels you to uh, do things better and, you know, stay unique. And so I am Team Lenny. So that's right. We're fans. Yeah, I, congratulations thank and you. related happy birthday. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate it. I, welcome I want to, to say Texas. before I thank you. I want to say before I go, I am one hundred percent proof that anybody can do this. I I don't have a formal education. Uh I didn't go to business school. If you want it, whatever it is, whether it's lasers or some other business, just get your hands dirty and go to work. Awesome. It's that hustle, right? I can see that it hustle. in you and I can see that yeah. drive. So. All right, guys, we're going to close it Thank out tonight. You. Thank you for attending. We appreciate these live stream Wednesdays that you can attend with us. You can check us out on podcast. If you don't do it live, we're going to have it up on YouTube and we appreciate everything you do. Come join us on Facebook. If you want to the laser lounge and another special thank you to our sponsor, Thunder Laser USA. Y'all have a good evening. We'll see you next Wednesday.